Blog Talk Radio. But two hours of pushing brooms Buys a eight for twelve for bedroom I'm a man of means By no means king of the road Third boxcar, midnight train Destination, Bangor, Maine Old worn out suit and shoes I don't pay no union dues I smoke old stogies I have found Short, not too big around I'm a man of means By no means king of the road But two hours of pushing brooms Buys a eight for twelve for bedroom I'm a man of means By no means King of the road King of the road King of the road Well, good evening Welcome to this edition of the Old Dominion Libertarian Radio Network. I'm Joe Ruffy, and I'm here tonight with Andy Craig and Jeff Klebb. Uh, Jeffrey Sanford has the evening off. We started a little bit late tonight because I had trouble signing in to Blog Talk Radio. So let me bring Jeff and Andy on here. Are you guys there? Yes, sir. Uh, Good evening. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I kept entering the PIN number into Blog Talk, and it kept rejecting it. So finally, I just hung up, and I dialed again, and it did the same thing. So I hung up again and dialed again, and the third time it worked. So we're all good. Yeah, yeah. So we're all good. Our guest tonight is Danny Bedwell from Mississippi. He's running for Senate there. Um. 
So we're going to get to Danny in just one moment, but I want to get your opinion, guys, on a couple of things before we go to our guest. Um, and I'll start with you, Andy. What do you think about um, Cohen, and do you think he's going to flip on President Trump? Oh, I, I have little doubt that both he will flip on him and that they seized ample enough evidence of whatever they were looking for, even if he didn't. Um, I mean, the whole thing's kind of ridiculous. The uh, the comparisons to, uh, oh, what, uh, what's his name, Winkler's character from Arrested Development, the, the Barry Zuckercorn lawyer, are so spot on. It's it's mess. <laughs> uh, I think I think uh, I think we're within a few months of uh, Mueller handing down some major indictments or something along those lines. Okay, yeah, I kind of. What do you think, Jeff? You know, it makes me wonder with all these people and the indictments coming down. How many of these people have dirt on somebody else? where they can say, you know, hey, if I go down, I'm taking this person down with me. And it might be friends of the person who has the dirt on somebody. It's just the whole thing is just so disgusting. I uh, I feel like I want to go back to Aruba again for a week. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to I wanna mention this uh, because I, it just flashed across my um, news, my screen on TV just now, but – a former president, George H.W. Bush, is in intensive care. They say he's just been admitted. So um, I don't know what that is all about, but I thought I'd pass it along. Uh, some folks have said he yeah, wouldn't last very long too. after Barbara passed away. So we'll yeah. see. You know, sometimes that happens with people. Yeah. People but anyway, um, yeah, heart. so I kind of, I kind of agree – with, with both of you guys on that, um, there's, you know, the, the Trump supporters on the Internet, uh, you know, I, I laugh at this because they keep saying it's a witch hunt. And every time they tell me it's a witch hunt, I said, if if they want to know where Hillary Clinton is, I can tell them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I, I do think before we bring on our guests, there's one one thing I, I would have to mention. Our um, our yeah. good old curly friend from Kentucky is at it again. Uh, Rand Paul oh, just flipped at the last minute. Yep, voted to confirm uh, Pompeo as Secretary of State. Uh, oh man, it doesn't look. He good had a conversation him. with him. Yeah, you know, assurances or something to that. I mean, who knows? Didn't what he, he have the same? Promise or concession or trade or something, but it was uh, he buckled for all the world to see. Mm. Yeah, well, I you, you call you called that Andy, and I called it, and several other people called it. But mm-hmm. the thing is, this is the same scenario that happened with Sessions. Yep. And it's going to be the and the same scenario with Haspel. You know it is because. He'll wait till the last minute, and then he'll say, "Well, they called me, and they had a discussion with me, and they and Jeff Sessions assured me that he wasn't going to go after marijuana users." And, right. You know, in well, that monotone voice he has. Oh my God. 
Um, well, in particular, <laughs> when they need his vote, which they did today on the committee, uh, they don't need his vote in the full Senate, but they needed it on the committee. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's just it's. I mean, who didn't know this? I mean, Ronnie Millsap could have seen this coming. I mean, <laughs> what? I mean, it, it, it's such typical Rand because in in trying to keep a foot on both sides of the fence, he's just pissed everybody off at him. It's not like it's not like he's won any you know merit or applause from the other side of the aisle on this. Um, you know, they were all making fun of him and leaning heavy, putting a lot of pressure, and now they're all. I mean, it just doesn't look good to anybody, no matter even if, even the folks who wanted Pompeo. Um, it, it doesn't buy him any any political capital. It's just, no, because uh, they still think he's a libertarian. Grand. Yeah, they still think he's a libertarian who doesn't who opposes the things that 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 they like and want, and that he's only doing this because he was forced into it. The Which thing that I find so. Yeah. Um, and what I what I find interesting is um, people were um, were were touting his penny plan, which he came, claims he came up with, and I, I actually think that Sean Hannity came up with that. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, well, um, the original <laughs> Rand did latch on. To yeah, it. so so they they were touting. The, yeah, they were retweeting his thing about how Congress and can't can't um balance the budget and all this, which if I'm not mistaken, Rand Paul voted on that budget, correct? Oh, he I probably did. I think they had enough Democrats to get it through and they didn't need them or something, but I don't I don't know, he might have voted for it. I well, have to go back so and he's look. Con- he's 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 touting this penny plan on Twitter and saying how in five years the budget will be balanced, and I, I can I can see a post from Danny Bedwell right now on Facebook going five years. Why mm-hmm. not right now? I'll do it now, you know. And so I mm-hmm. went on to Twitter and went right over to to Rand's um, Twitter account, his his profile, and saw that plan. And I wrote on there. I said something like, "Why balance the budget in five years? We keep getting these five year plans that turn into twenty years." And then into 30 years, it's just kicking the can down the road. Balance the budget now. And I, I posted well, that. Well, you also know, start- you also, Joe, uh, uh, you can have that and do it if you want, but a future Congress next year can turn around and derail it. Right. Correct. That's the, that's you know, you can't, you can't hold a future Congress to do that. These no, multi-year so budget ab- acts, these five, ten-year plans, you're exactly right. You can't hold a future Congress to it, so they're worthless. Congress, you got a two-year term to work with. What are you going to do in your two years? So after I posted that, and a lot of people commented on it and said, it's better than what everybody else is offering, and da-da-da-da-da, you know how they are. But I was going down the list, and everybody was saying things like, who cares about the, the deficit? Who cares about the budget? Either vote to confirm Pompeo, or we are not going to vote for you when, when, you're, when your term is up. And we need Pompeo because he's the only one that can broker a peace agreement with North Korea. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. In 2016, 
you were telling me the only one that could broker a peace agreement with anyone was Donald Trump. Now you're telling me it's Pompeo. <laughs> Which is it? <laughs> yep. Well, and, and here's the uh, – you heard it here first prediction. I don't think Rand Paul is going to run for re-election. That's just my intuition and my read of it. I don't think uh, – his term runs till 2022, and he'll be out then. I don't think he's going to run for re-election. He didn't like the job. He didn't like being there. Yep. So, you don't think? Anyway, um, well, we're going to get to um, our guest now, um, Danny Bedwell uh, with the Libertarian Party of Mississippi. Um, he is running for Senate there, and um, I think he has a real strong chance. He's, he's running against a guy named Wicker, and they have this catchy little um, hashtag down there, Fire Wicker. So um, I think that that's pretty nifty. Uh, so let's bring Danny on and see what he's up to in Mississippi. Uh, good evening, Danny. How are you tonight? Hey, Joe. I'm fantastic, like always. Good to be back on your show again. Oh, Great. Glad to have you. It's been a couple of years. You had me on your show, uh, I think, 2012 perhaps or – 2014 in one of my uh, previous Somewhere around times. there. I, I do remember you being on, yes. Yeah. Uh, so well, why don't you start um, by telling us a little bit about your background, um, what you've done with the Libertarian Party, and why you're running. All of that? <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> uh, my background, uh, I am retired military. I was a Navy diver for 20 years, retired in 95 and started a small business that grew into something, and uh, now a pretty large business. We do a lot of business, uh, both exported in Mexico, Canada, all across the U.S., and it's done, done well. As far as the Libertarian Party stuff goes, uh, let's see. When I first got involved in the Libertarian Party, I had moved to Mississippi, and I see this ad in the newspaper, and it says, Libertarian Party of Mississippi, public meeting, and I forget the date and time. But I go down there, and I get dressed up, you know, my suit and tie, and I want to look sharp. I want to impress. And there's two people sitting there in a public library. <laughs> And that was the Libertarian Party of Mississippi, and uh, <laughs> most of the executive committee had moved out of state, and uh, they – I convinced them to give me a title. I think it was called uh, volunteer coordinator or something, and myself and Ross Scalise went on this mission on building the Libertarian Party of Mississippi, and wow, we've uh, – that, that was – what year was that? Mm. 1990-something, and uh, we've taken off. We've got uh, a lot of members of, that belong to the state party, probably not so much the national party, but we have a lot of activity at the state level. Uh, we've got the best ballot access laws, bar any state in the, in the union. Our ballot access laws were treated no different than Democrats or Republicans. If you want to be on the ballot as a libertarian, 
simply submit your paperwork to the state executive committee and uh, file the fee, and you're on the ballot. So there's no petitions. There's wow. no signatures required. So mm. it's, it's, it's pretty good. So with that, with that, we started running some candidates. We finally got one elected to mayor in South Mississippi. And uh, Excellent. Over the years, we've had a lot of candidates running. I stepped down as chair, I think, four or five years ago because I was tired. <laughs> it was a lot of work. Uh, and since then, other people have taken it and run with it, and they've done well. And, uh, yeah, the Libertarian Party has become a force to be reckoned with here in Mississippi. Uh, for sure. So, I just want you know, from the outside observer, I've seen uh, – um, for a state y'all side, y'all, y'all put on one of the better state conventions that always has higher turnout for uh, um, you know, the state your size. Y'all joined together with Alabama to do a debate last year, or 2016, I guess it was, with the presidential candidates that turned out very well. Um, and that's great to hear about the ballot access in particular. I know Richard Winger has mentioned Mississippi as his model. If you could make every state like Mississippi on ballot access, he'd consider his, his mission accomplished. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think really that's what, you know, the ballot access committee at the at the National Party, that's what they should be doing. That should be their goal. Yeah, I mean, I, I get tired thing. of of lobbying. I get tired it, yeah. of spending a lot of money every election season, a lot of money uh just to get people on the ballot. And it shouldn't happen that way. Amen. So uh, not you, uh, not when the other parties don't issues? have to take us. Go ahead. That's uh, right. Go. That's right, Joe. That's right, Joe. There used to be something called equal protection under the law, you know. And if you're going to require this from one group, you have to require it from everyone. So I think if sure, uh, Republicans and Democrats had to go through the the uh, the the ballot laws that libertarians and other states have to, they would change it really quick. Speaking of which, there was just earlier today a Republican congressman incumbent in Colorado who was actually kicked off the ballot for something wrong with his petitions. I'm not sure the details, but uh, I'm sure they'll probably be changing the law here pretty quick to make sure that doesn't happen again. Right. Right. Hmm. So what are your your big issues running on there uh, for Senate? Oh, well, I've – there's a lot of issues, of course. The three main planks uh, of my campaign, and I made three campaign promises. I will never, ever vote to increase taxes. I will never, ever vote to increase spending, and I will never, ever vote to increase the size, scope, and role of government. My issues, they're really uh, about the economy and about the budget and the debt. They're all fiscal. Uh We've got to get a handle on this debt, and I can go right down the line and say we're $21 trillion in debt, and we are, and and something's got to be done about it. And going back to – I think it was Jeff that said this about uh, uh, the future Congress can always uh, override what you did. Well, I really wish they would. I really wish they would because we have this thing, this part of the budget called mandatory spending. And I think it's 62% of our budget is mandatory mm-hmm. spending. And I would ask 
who made it mandatory? The same people that say their hands are tied are the ones that made it mandatory. Yep. So what I want to do is get it out of this mandatory pocket that it's in and look at each one of these, you know, Medicare and Medicaid, Social Security and Defense. They're, we're talking, you know, that's almost 60% of the budget. And they're considered the third rail or, you know, the sacred cows. You can't touch them. But we're going to have to. They're going to bankrupt the nation. We're going to have to touch some of these sacred cows and address Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. It probably cost me votes. I know when I say this. But someone's got to do something about it, and uh, someone's going to have to make the arguments. You know, um, I think it's uh, 52%. Medicare and Medicaid, the payroll taxes pay for 52% of Medicare and Medicaid spending. The other 43% comes out of the general fund. Yep. So it's just – we can't do that. We cannot do that. Uh, I've – typed up a proposal to actually privatize Social Security, and uh, I had several different models in there as far as income, and typical would be if you're making uh, $40,000 a year, this is you know a dad somewhere or a mom somewhere. If you're making $40,000 a year and uh, you do the payroll deduction just like Social Security, but instead of giving it to Uncle Sam – you put it in a mutual fund, and you've got $1.8 million when you retire at age 65. I yeah. Well, Social Security, that's one the- comparably speaking, Social Security – hold on for one second here. I'm looking out my window, and five feet from my window, there's an owl perched on my privacy fence. <laughs> okay, I'll leave it alone. Uh, uh, but anyway, uh, Social Security – uh, the CBO says that the average rate of return on Social Security is 1.4%. That's ridiculous, and I can't believe that anyone in their right mind would actually sign on to that. So mm-hmm. one of the things we have to do, one of the things we have to do is we have to start addressing these sacred cows that represent 62% of all spending, and we've got to make them to where they stand on their own. Excellent. Well, the other other thing we were discussing before you came on happens to be, uh, you know, one of the powers that's exclusive to the Senate is uh, the, how they handle confirmations, uh, presidential appointees, and whether or not to uh, confirm them. Uh, what would your mm-hmm. approach be to, to that whole thing? Would you would you be inclined to uh, vote for or against confirming like Mike Pompeo or or some other potential Trump nominees come down the pike? And what would your your standard be? Pompeo, uh, I would not. Uh, Some others, I think uh, uh, for Supreme Court, I think Gorsuch was was wonderful choice. I I would have confirmed him. Uh, But again, it depends on who the nominee is. The Senate, I believe, has a role advising consent. Uh, So the Senate does have a role, so it would have to be on a case-by-case basis. But I'm not going to go along just to get along, which I think um, – I think you guys were talking about Rand Paul. That's right. And I think he went along just to go – just to get along. I think – I don't know if mm-hmm. something was promised in the future or to get on someone's good side or, or what the story was there. But 
Yeah, just when you think Rand Paul's um, starting to get good, he does something like this, and you have to you have to take back what you said about him. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Joe, that's the same thing though. I tell people this all the time. You know, nobody. There may be two libertarians that agree on everything, but I'm not one of them. I mean, libertarians disagree. That's what they do. Uh, I've been married to the same uh-huh. woman for 32 years. We disagree on stuff. <laughs> we do. We disagree on issues. But what we decide to do, and this I'm, I'm t- talking out of the voters in Mississippi. What we agree to do is we agree on some basic principles, and these basic principles in politics are limiting government, getting a, a, a handle on spending, getting a handle on the debt. So yeah, you might not agree with me on every issue, and I might not agree with Rand Paul on every issue. But you know, there comes a time that when you when you agree with basic principles, uh, you have to vote that way. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Rand, I wish he would have voted a different way, but it is what it is. Well, yeah. you're running well, uh, what? again. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. You, I was just going to ask you, Danny. Um, aside from the from the appointment of Neil Gorsuch, can you name anything else that President Trump has done that you think was good? Not specifically. I know that some people say he has removed regulation. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, well, they don't. They I work don't in tell industry. you which regulations they are. Right, <laughs> right. You can't verify. So uh, uh, if he did, I'd like to see them. I mean, it's got to be more than just a bumper sticker. I know that I work in industry uh, every day, uh, and what I do is, is I work with rail cars and front end loaders and product and ship it wherever it needs to be shipped. And I can tell you that the regulations on me have not been lessened. Uh, I can tell you that NAFTA is still in full force and effect. So if he's going to reduce regulation, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it somehow affect me and my work. Sure. All right, Andy, go ahead. Others? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, no, I was just going to ask – uh, the incumbent you're running against who's running for re-election, is that correct, uh, Wicker? Yeah, that's right. He was he – was, um, he was – sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say he was originally appointed senator. This is the seat mm-hmm. that Roger – or I'm sorry, that uh, Trent Lott vacated when he resigned, and oh, the governor okay. appointed that's... Roger Wicker. In 2007, and he's been there ever since. Well, what I was going to ask about him, and uh, I understand that him and uh, Mississippi's other senator, who's going to be retiring here soon, have long played a role on the uh, Armed Services Committee. And basically, you know, obviously, there's a lot of uh, there's shipbuilding down on the Gulf Coast. There's there's military bases. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of relatively a lot of military spending in Mississippi. Um, so how would, how would you approach that as the state's representative while also, of course, wanting to cut waste and spending and, uh, and probably reduce the overall military spending level? Well, 
I would have to address it through my arguments, and I think Mississippi would – the average Mississippi voter and resident would probably agree with me. Uh, Pascagoula, um, Ingalls Shipbuilding, they're building now a ship that nobody asked for. The Navy did not ask for it, but our Congress asked for it and gave the contract to Ingalls Shipyard just to provide mm-hmm. jobs. And it's stuff like this. Now, most Mississippians are fiscal conservatives, and they, they're not into wasting money, even if it creates a job. You know, it's the broken window fallacy. Even if it creates a job, if it's a waste of money, most Mississippians don't want to do it. So, so I, I could make the argument, I think, to other congressmen, to other senators, to people in the House of Representatives. I could make the argument that Mississippi doesn't want this money. And we can actually cut it out of the military budget, uh, the defense budget, and uh, I think the, the constituents here in Mississippi would be okay with it because they, they understand we've got to get a grip on this spending. And if, mm-hmm. if, if Mississippi is going to set the standard and refuse work, refuse you know, shipbuilding contracts, then that's what we have to do. You know, uh, one of the things I say in my campaign is that we're ready. Mississippi is ready to lead. When it comes to fiscal responsibility, Mississippi is ready to lead and put our foot down and say no more. These outrageous spending bills, no more. And my opponent, Roger Wicker, had said that he brags. He brags on his uh, website that he is in line with President Trump 100%. Well, you know, that's all well and good, but. Senator, you have a duty. We have a separation of powers, and we have checks and balances. And if for you to brag and say that you are, you support President Trump 100%, that's the same thing as saying you refuse to do your duty as a senator and serve as checks and balances, and you refuse to do your duty in separation of powers. So, so Mississippi is yeah. ready to put their foot down and say we will. We're not going to go along just to get along. We're not going to sign off on budgets just because it makes the president happy, and uh, we're, we're ready. I think the voters here in Mississippi are ready to put their foot down. Well, that's, I've actually that's got good. A, uh, I've got a uh, good campaign team behind me, and I'm getting a lot of media attention, and, and I can't really say that the Wicker campaign is scared just yet. They're still in the primary, but after the primary, his main his main opponent is going to be me, and I'm going to force him to take some limited government positions and be a fiscal hawk. And I can prove his history, unfortunately, his history and his votes that they prove otherwise. You know, this is. As I say, this is 2018. It's not 1930 anymore. We've got this thing called the internet, and every voter out there can see the truth now within, you know, 10 seconds. So, we've got a good campaign team, social media presence. Uh, we've got county captains in many of the counties around the state, and uh, doing interviews left and right. So, it's all good. Well, that's good. Are you? Go- are you um, going to have a uh, a Democratic opponent, or do you have any idea who that is? Or yeah. Is that, are they putting up a the, sacrificial lamb sort of thing? 
there's six sacrificial lambs to choose from. So there's <laughs> six Demo- <laughs> Democratic candidates on the ballot for the primary, and they'll choose one of them, but tip do very well. So, right. I imagine I imagine not. Now, um, are there going to be any other? Uh, you mentioned how easy ballot access is there, but are there going to be, to your knowledge, any other independent or third-party candidates? Or just going to be the three mm-hmm. of you. Sean O'Hara is a Reform Party candidate, and he is a Reform Party candidate on every ballot for every race every year for the past ten years. He's uh, ran for just about every seat in the state of Mississippi on the Reform Party ticket, but he doesn't really campaign. You know, he's, I gotcha. think he likes to see his name in print or something, but uh, he, does, he doesn't really have a campaign team, and he's not out there beating the bushes and trying to get votes. Not very many states where the ballot label is even still active. It's been a long time since I've heard much about Reform Party. Right. Oh, yeah. Haven't heard anything from them in a long time. Yeah, well, I, I do agree with you, Danny, that you're going to be the his main opponent. So I guess you're thinking that none of the other uh, Republican candidates running in the primary have a chance. Well, I can't say that. He's got one Republican opponent in the primary uh, a man named Boynton, and he's a good good candidate, and if I was a Republican, I'd probably vote for him. But Roger Wicker has $4 million in his campaign war chest, and he's got the establishment Republican Party behind him. And uh, he, I think gotcha. that Roger Wicker is going to win the Republican primary. However, there's uh, a lot of the uh, GOP Republican voters – that are not happy with Roger Wicker, and they're wanting to send a message to the establishment GOP. So you understand Mississippi politics. Our establishment Republican Party here in this state is run by a guy named Haley Barber, and he's got – Oh, yeah. And, former governor. And he's uh, – that's right, former governor, former uh, chairman of the RNC, and he's got a lot of connections and a lot of uh, – He's got deep pockets. He's got large corporations that give him a lot of money, and he uses it to elect these John McCain-type Republicans here in the state of Mississippi. And uh, that is not typically your Mississippi voter. Your Mississippi voter is more of a liberty Republican type, a limited government, no-nonsense, reduce the size, scope, and role of government. So Roger Whitman refuses to do that. So I've got a lot of Roger Wicker's normal voters are going to be voting for me in this election. I really think that we will be setting some records for the Libertarian Party candidates. Excellent. Is the uh, is the governor election up this year in Mississippi too or no? Uh, yeah. Well, not this year. But next year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so, so you're the top. And the, the y'all you're. You're alone at the top of the ticket in your race. That's right. That's right. I am. And uh, the, it's it's going to be a heated race because both of our senators are for up for re-election now. So typically in non-presidential years, you know, voter turnout is low. But in the state of Mississippi, we've got both our senators are uh, are up for re-election. 
at the same time. So there's going to be a lot of people out there voting. Yeah, I, this one I can imagine that. The, uh, so there's not another libertarian running in the other seat race, though, the special election? Well, the special election, uh, we do have somebody out gathering petitions for uh, petition signatures. For special election, you have to get the uh, petition signatures, as do the Republican candidates and Democratic candidates. Gotcha. So special elections is nonpartisan. Get a thousand signatures, and you're on the ballot. That's not too bad. And the the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Harrison County, I believe, is out gathering signatures to run against Bad Cockney. That's that's yeah, good news. Uh, y'all have any? Uh, what do you got in terms of the down ticket uh, for candidates running for for house or state legislature or local offices? You mentioned you have a, a mayor. I know y'all have a few local office holders that are in office. Um, how's that going? Right. <laughs> it's going pretty good. Uh, uh, this is a limited year. The only persons offices really up for uh, election are uh, uh, senators, U.S. Senate. And uh, uh, a few state le- special election, uh, state legislative seats. But typically, I mean, we've got people lined up for 2019 for state legislative seats and uh, mayors and uh, county board of supervisors. We have we have a deep bench, and uh, they're working on name recognition, and we do things. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one success That's we right. had. I, for, I forgot y'all are like Virginia are the only two that do it odd year for state legislature and most state offices and that sort of thing. Right. And let me tell you something. I'm also – I was chairman of the Libertarian Party of Lowndes County. And let me tell you something we did. We defeated – the Libertarian Party of Lowndes County defeated a tax increase here at the county level. We had a tourism tax that they passed in 2008. With a 10-year sunset, so it was set to expire in 2018. Well, everybody was for extending this tax increase another 10 years. The city council wanted it. The county board of supervisors wanted it. The uh, convention and visitors bureau wanted it. The local economic development council wanted it. Everybody that was going to be spending that money wanted it. And I wrote one article… To the uh, local paper A letter to the editor And he printed it And I let him have it I, I gave him gave him two barrels Of Danny Bedwell And told them that they <laughs> need to let this tax Die the horrible death it deserves And uh, last year In 2017 It gave, us, gave the city two million dollars And this was two percent On all restaurants and hotel stays I called my State legislator or Libertarian Party of Lowndes County called our state legislators uh, because the state legislature has to sign off on county tax increases. We invited city council members and uh, board of supervisors over to our monthly meeting. Now, these guys, they just want to get in good with the Libertarian Party of Lowndes County because we're loudmouths and we have influence and they want to be on our side. So I got a few on a couple of different meetings, uh, a couple of city councilmen, a couple of uh, members of the board of supervisors, and we talked about it. And 
uh, they said they didn't really commit to anything. However, when it went to the uh, state legislature, it was voted down. So uh, I, the Libertarian Party of Lowndes County takes credit for that, for defeating the <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of uh, policy lobbying efforts I love to hear about doing, and I want to see state LPs do more of. Um, we can have exactly. we can and so many stories like that where we've had a real impact and changed the outcome of a, a tax hike or a bad law, whatever it was, coming down the pike. Um, so that's excellent. Where, where, where that's is right. Lounge County there city-wise? Uh, is that near Jackson or the, where, where are you at? No, the city is called Columbus. It's in northeast okay. Mississippi. That's gotcha. Okay. City of well, Columbus I'm, population I'm right across 30, the river. I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, so that's why I was just curious. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, but I, I agree. Uh, state parties and even county parties. One thing we've been doing at the state level here is creating county affiliates, establishing them, and then trying to show them what to do and how to be a county party. Our state convention is this weekend, and they've given me a little floor time to talk about county affiliates and what we do. I've brought some of our literature. We made rack cards and business cards, and we made our own Libertarian Party literature that is specific to this county where we address county issues. And uh, this is one thing that county parties really need to do is keep it local and and get the people mm-hmm. on your side and uh, convince them that there's a better way. And it's it's grassroots and it works. Absolutely Excellent. it does. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, Danny, uh, a couple of weeks ago you had on your uh, Facebook page, you had a uh, some sort of informal poll going on. I think it was either one of the newspapers or one of the TV stations had it up, and you shared it, and it was you and Roger Wicker. And I'd say most of the people that responded to it chose you, but there were a, there were a few that said, well, I like a lot of what Danny Bedwell says, but he's not pro-life. And um, and I know there's I know there's that one guy that's always on your Facebook page, and I've gotten into it with him a few times. I won't say his name <clears throat> here, but um, he usually makes some comment about, "See, we have so much in common. You just won't be pro-life." And I know you know who I'm talking about. Um, and <laughs> and so, yeah. um, but- what do what do you what do you say to people who would love to vote for you? But they won't do it because you don't want a pers- you won't vote for a personhood amendment to the Constitution. Well, you know the thing is, first in politics, ignore the trolls. Don't feed the trolls. And the person you're talking about is uh, he's a friend, and uh, how do I say this? He's mistaken. I am pro life, <laughs> so you know. But what does that mean? What does that mean? Does it mean? That I would vote for a personhood amendment? No, it does not. I would not. And he takes that to mean that I am not pro-life. So, so it's it's one of these things. This guy you're talking about wants to argue with me, and he doesn't care what the subject is. And and he doesn't he doesn't care what I say. I could say something, and his job, what he thinks is his job, is to take the opposite side. So I really don't address those guys. The poll you're talking about 
is uh, it was done by a Facebook page or group called Mississippians for Donald Trump. And the question oh, yeah, that's right. said, said, if the election was held today, would you be more likely to vote for Danny Bedwell or Roger Wicken? And I think the last time I looked, Danny Bedwell was at 78%. Hmm. When I said that I had uh, – and there was only, I think, 1,200 people that responded. So you really can't – it's not a big poll. But uh, I think it's evidence of what I claimed is that most – of the anti-establishment Republican voters are, are looking for something else, and they're probably going to vote for me this, this time around. And the, the mm-hmm. really cool part about that is when I campaign, I campaign 100% libertarian. I don't, I don't waffle. I don't <clears throat> change my principles in order to get votes. I give them two barrels of limited government, Danny Bedwell, and they like it. So – so, well, Roger Wicker has a lot to do with people voting for me. <laughs> I'll put it that way. He's, he's voted for every single increase, every single spending increase since he's been in office, he has voted for. He has voted in favor of every single budget. Every, every single extension of the Patriot Act or NSA or FISA courts, he has voted in favor of. So, Roger Wicker is my best tool <laughs> to, to campaign for me. Sure. I, saw, um, I saw something before that you had posted regarding Frederick Bastiat. I just read – I was on vacation last week, and I just read the law. I think everybody yeah. who's a conservative or a libertarian should read that. His description of, pl- of plunder was just so profound. It's hard to believe this guy wrote that 160, 170 years ago, and it, it's just so relevant today. Right, right. And actually, that's one of the tools I used when I went around to try to grow the Libertarian Party of Mississippi. I had the law in an audio book, a little MP3 file, mm-hmm. and I would mm-hmm. share it with people. And I'd say, while you're driving along in your car, just listen to this. And they'd listen to it, and next thing you know, they're calling me and asking me questions about libertarianism in general. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Badnarik used to use a peanut butter analogy, and I love it so much. And he said, so you have a little toddler, and you're going to introduce him to hard foods, to solid foods. Now, if you just grab the jar of peanut butter, and you jam it down his throat, and you force this peanut butter down his throat, he's going to cough and hack and start crying and fighting you off. And he doesn't want that peanut butter. He doesn't like the peanut butter, and for the rest of his life, he's not going to want that peanut butter. But… If you hold him up and you make little goo-goo sounds at the baby and you rub a little of that peanut butter on his lip, he's going to lick it, and he's going to smile, and he's going to want some more of that peanut butter. And when you're not looking, he's going to be in there in the kitchen cabinet trying to find that peanut butter to get some more of it. Now, that's what I see my job as a libertarian activist is. I can't cram liberty down your throat, but I can rub a little bit on your lip and let you taste it and go, wow, I like that. And then you're going to go out and you're going to find it on your own. You're going to go Google stuff. And this is something that I think a lot of libertarian activists don't quite understand. No one comes to libertarianism because you called them a fascist, because you got in their face and you yelled and screamed at them. Nobody comes to libertarianism because of that. 
People come to libertarianism because you made a sound, rational argument, a polite argument. And maybe they didn't agree right then, but if you cause them two days later to Google and read something, and it clicks in their head, and then they Google something else, and it takes you know this libertarian journey that people talk about. Sometimes it takes weeks and months and years, but our job as libertarian activists is to start them on the journey and help them and maybe give them something to read. And we have to stop being so mean to people and calling them fascists and I disagree with you, therefore you're wrong and you're an evil person. So anyway. Yeah, I, I that's just the surest way would. to get people out of the party. Yeah, yeah. And we as libertarians have to treat each other that way. I mean I disagree with a lot of people in the party, but I keep my mouth shut about it because I think that we're on the same team, and we're trying to go the same direction, I think. That if someone yeah. will reduce the size, scope, and, and, and role of government, I'm on your side. And I don't care if you've got an R behind your name, a D behind your name, or an L behind your name. However, and firstly, if you have a – if you're trying to increase the size, scope, and role of government, I don't care what letter you got behind your name. I'm going to oppose you. So. <laughs> That's good. Yep. Um, I know. A, I know a lot of activists in the party. Uh, they go out and they try. They they try to get people interested in the party. And there are some who say that's not the right tactic to take when you're when you've got a candidate on the ballot. I sort of disagree because I'll tell you what happens with, with – in my experience is if, if you don't keep people engaged after the candidate is no longer running, the next time you run another candidate, you have to start all over from the beginning with these people because they either don't remember whether they voted libertarian, they sort of remember, or they say, yeah, I voted libertarian, but he didn't win, and so I moved on. And you kind of need to keep them engaged. Do you agree with that? Somewhat, and I'd like to qualify my somewhat. Uh, okay. The state party, the state party, would like to use my campaign as a mechanism to grow the party officially. I mean, plan <laughs> to grow the party using my campaign, and what that means is several things, but. What I what I told leadership, state leadership was, if I'm successful at what I'm doing, the state party will be the natural recipient of the benefits here. I mean, the, the, it, the people will flock to the Libertarian Party of Mississippi if I'm successful in what I'm doing. But for them to use my campaign, and um, I, I I don't know how, how to say this. I don't want to be a tool. I don't want to be a tool. I'm trying to encourage people to to step across party lines and vote for me for the U.S. Senate. I'm trying to say that blind party allegiance has nearly destroyed this nation. Now, for another entity to come out and say, yes, you must join this party because we're the only ones that are right, that goes against what my campaign is designed to do. Like I said, we're trying to build bridges with people of other parties. Sure. And – and uh, we just have to be very careful about about whenever I'm out soliciting votes that if I try to say, now join the Libertarian Party, that might cost me votes. 
Did the party, did the state party benefit from that? Did the state party benefit by that guy joining the party? Of course. But did it cost me votes? Yeah, probably. So, well, uh, again, I'm in yeah. the thing to run for Senate, not grow the party. What I, what I normally do, like if I'm out campaigning for someone and, and somebody tells me, well, I've never heard of the libertarians before, but I like what your candidate says, I give them a little business card, and I say, here, this is my card. On the back, we list their meetings. If you'd like to come and find out more, you don't have to be a member of the party. You don't even have to vote for our candidates to show up. Just come and hear what we're about, and if you like it, come back again. If you don't, fine. Vote for our candidate, and we'll be happy. Right, exactly. Good idea. And yeah, so, a lot. I, I appreciate your point, though, about the tension there between that messaging. That was something that's that's come up on a lot of campaigns, and you know, there's folks in the party who kind of want to. A perennial example where it comes up is that you have to use the word libertarian front and bold and center and on all your materials or whatever, um, and that gets to be one of the back and forth. And I think most of our candidates do use the, the word libertarian. There's, you know, it's on the ballot, so there's a reason to use it. But uh, that's it's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up and mentioned that distinction, that the best way you can help the party is to go get as many votes as possible. That's right. That's right. And and prove besides the votes, prove that we can work together. You know that if we're going to take this nation back, that that it's going to take all of us, not just you know this identity politics. I identify as a Republican. I identify as a Democrat. I identify as a Libertarian. If we're going to take this nation back, it's going to have to be a group of people that cross party lines and demand <laughs> fiscal responsibility. And that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to get across to the voters here. Democrats, Republicans, and Libertarians are going to have to come together and 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 put a halt to this to this fiscal cliff we're heading over. You know, here's the deal: if if America falls, it's not going to be because Mexicans are sneaking across the border. If America falls, it's not going to be because of anything happening in Syria. If America falls, it's going to be because of economic collapse, and the path that we're on now takes us there unless we do something about it. So that's 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 my message, and that's I think I'm getting a lot of support because of that. I think people are starting to see things clearly now. Hopefully, it's that's not too great. late. Yep. So, um, Danny, why don't you um, tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you, where they can go to learn more if they want to help you out, send a donation, or what have you. Yeah, sure. First of all, I want to clarify something. We don't receive donations. You know, we'll take a contribution. Donations are for charity, and I'm not charity. I am taking contributions because I want people to contribute to this to this effort to, to take this nation back. So, uh, anyway, Great. my website. <laughs> if you want to contribute, if you want to help me. Uh, Put this nation back on the track to fiscal responsibility. If you want to help me contribute, uh, the website is bedwellforsenate.com. And it is spelled out bedwellforsenate.com. Also, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, I've got a couple of pages and a couple of groups. Uh, I've got a Facebook 
group that uh, is full of campaign helpers. These are people that are distributing literature, distributing yard signs, helping. I've got people offering their graphic design skills. And uh, if you want to help with the campaign, do that. Again, I always, always need contributions. Uh, my opponent has $4 million in the, in the bank, and I don't know that we can compete with that. But uh, one of the things I hope to do is prove what I call libertarian efficiency. Uh, my opponent is going to spend you know, $6 a vote, <laughs> and I'm going to spend $0.50 cents a vote and get half as many. Get twice as many as he does. I'm going to prove libertarian efficiency by getting votes cheaper. And you know that's the thing with yes. money, guys. The every dollar that is spent on any campaign, and I don't care whether it's for mayor or president of the United States, every dollar that is ever spent is for name recognition. It's either for billboards or radio ads, TV ads, bumper stickers, T-shirts. You got your literature, but it's all about name recognition. So this is – I mean you don't spend money for anything else hardly. Sometimes you spend money on a fundraiser, and uh, but it, again, it's for name recognition. So uh, that's that's where we're at now is, is this is the primary season. The primary is in June. So from now until June, we're raising money and working on, on name recognition around the state. Then after well, the good. ballot is set, after glad June, to hear it. After the ballot is set, we're going to go uh, hard and uh, get as many votes as we can. All right. Well, Danny, I well, want to thank luck. you for coming on tonight and yeah, uh, sharing your t- time with us. Um, it's been fun, and we'll have you back on um, after you've taken over um, Roger Wicker's office in BC. There you go. I'd be glad to do it, Joe. You call me anytime, man. I, it's always All right. fun on your show. All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Thanks for Jeff. coming. Good yeah, luck. Yeah, Jeff. All right, man. See you, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. All right, guys. I have I have one last thing to discuss briefly, and then we'll call it a night. Um, what do you guys? I'll start with you, Andy. What do you guys make of the uh, van attack in Toronto? I have not seen anything about it. Uh, I saw briefly on Twitter that there had been a van attack somewhere. I don't, I'm not even sure where it was, uh, overseas somewhere. It was in Toronto. Toronto Canada. 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 Okay. Yeah, no, I haven't, yeah uh, and nine nine people uh, are dead, and there are like 20-some injured. Obviously, that's terrible. That, that's awful, but I, you know, I can't really say much else about it other than I – I'm aware that that happened, but I, I haven't read anything about it yet or anything. Well, yeah, well, what I, what I know so far, uh, and I haven't really looked since we got on the show, um, they haven't raised the, the terror threat level in Canada. Uh, they, they weren't really giving out any information on the person who was driving the van. They, they said it this uh, – the last I checked, they said they didn't know anything about him yet to give out any information, um, but they were interviewing eyewitnesses, and one guy said he just drove up on the sidewalk and started plowing people down, but he said, I, I couldn't tell if it was intentional 
if he'd had a heart attack and was not in control of the vehicle or what was going on. But that's where we are now. Do you know anything more, Jeff? All I heard about it was on the radio that a, a van ran over some people in Toronto. I don't know anything about the driver. Don't know how many people were injured or killed. Um, I just heard a snippet about it on the radio, and I don't have yeah I don't have cable. The only TV I can watch is streaming stuff. So I'm sure yeah. it'll be on the it'll be on the news later. Yep. But I'm so, I'm getting ready to go to bed shortly anyway. Yeah. So uh, all right, uh, uh, <clears throat> all right, guys. Well. Oh, no, What's I'm just going to comment about, we don't know the specifics yet about this, but obviously this is a bit of a pattern with vehicular attacks like that. Um, and so it's 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 certainly a point of concern going forward. There's been a lot of efforts to put more um, barriers up and bollards and that sort of thing. Uh, so, you know, I expect I expect that's what we'll see more of going forward. Is we need more. A lot more. Uh, concrete well, we need more gun laws. Pedestrian areas, right? Yeah, more right. gun laws. More gun laws will <laughs> fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, gentlemen, it's been fun tonight. Um, we will do it again uh, at the beginning of next month, and uh, okay. we will have a we will have a, a great guest on. I believe our next guest is uh, Libertarian Senator uh, Laura Ebke from Nebraska. So we have a lot to look forward to. Excellent. And short, so, shortly after that, I will uh, actually be joining her campaign for a week there in Nebraska going into her primary. So that'll be that'll be great. We're having a, 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 the Libertarian National Committee is organizing a volunteer push and several of us will be out there working on that. So Wonderful. Oh, we should mention so, her bill was signed into law today also, her big occupational licensing reform bill, so we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wonderful. That's going to be great. Yep. So, all right, hmm. guys. Well, we'll do it again in about a week. Or, um, all right. Almost, Have a good night. Almost gentlemen. a week and a half. All right. There you go. Bye-bye. Take care, gentlemen. Good night. Thanks. All right. Catch you later.